Welcome to the Founder Breakthroughs Podcast. My name is Jeff Durso. I'm an Inc. 500 serial entrepreneur and your host on this journey. If you believe startups are the engine of innovation in the world, you've come to the right place. On this show, we're going to be meeting some brave founders, hear their epic stories, and learn some key insights and distinctions between what works and what doesn't. Today in our very first episode, we're going to dive deep into the most foundational component in the creation of a startup. Startups that get this wrong are destined to mediocrity. For those that get it right, the sky's the limit. Now let's dive in. Over the past three decades, I've been fortunate to be involved as a founder or co-founder in over 20 ventures. Some of these have failed, quietly or spectacularly. Two of these achieved eight-figure exits, and one of these ranked 149 on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest-growing companies in the U.S. More importantly, some of these startups have had no impact at all on the world, while others have impacted tens of thousands of lives or more, with one of them helping over 700,000 children and counting learn math. And of course, beyond my own companies, we can point to startups that have gone from raw idea to impact millions or even billions of people, and others that have crashed and burned or fizzled and died and touched no one. Which brings us to the burning question, why do some startups change the world and others go nowhere? Each week, I'm going to be bringing you interviews with startup founders to dive into their stories and gain insights to help us answer this question. But today we're going to set the stage by examining this question from the lens and stories of my own startups and my own personal observations of other startups to see if we can distinguish what makes some startups fly and others crash. This is something I've asked of every startup I've ever founded, advised, or observed at large, and I keep coming back to the same answer, which comes down to a single word, why. Like it or not, Every startup idea that aims to disrupt the status quo has to go head-to-head with reality. More often than not, unfortunately, reality wins the clash and the startup becomes another statistic, or worse. There is extensive data and there are countless reasons given for these failures, but in most cases it still comes down to that one word, why. Over a decade ago, Simon Sinek recorded one of the most popular TED Talks ever where he suggested companies should start with why. If you've never watched this video, which has racked up almost 10 million views, you'll definitely want to check it out. In his talk, Sinek explains why Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech was powerful enough to change the world, and also why Apple has grown to be the most valuable company in the world. In both cases, they started with why. In both cases, they became unstoppable and inevitable. And in both cases, Their impact has stood the test of time, and their impact is strong as ever decades after being introduced to the world as new ideas. Now, long before I launched my own first startup, I got to see the power of why in action at another company called Sapient. In the early 1990s, Sapient set out to create a new vision for delivering client-server software applications for business. As one of the first hundred employees of a company that grew to over 10,000 in size, and as my first job out of college, It was a pretty exciting vantage point, even before the company was able to hit it big with the advent of the World Wide Web. When I first encountered Sapient at a career fair, it was clear there was something very different, and though I couldn't put my finger on it, whatever it was, it made dozens of my classmates and I cancel interviews and even flights across the country to visit other companies, to instead join this company right out of school. There's something palpably different about Sapient, and I was dying to know the why behind its founding. 
I got my chance to ask a few weeks in at a Q&A session with one of the co-founders. I remember innocently asking the question, why did you start Sapient at this meeting? Thinking I'd get some interesting story or explanation or description of a market opportunity. But I wasn't even remotely prepared for what came next. As soon as I asked my question, the founder paused, turned bright red, and then in a determined, angry voice said, because we were pissed. Now, it sounds cliche, but you could have heard a pin drop in that moment. With the full attention of the room, he then went on to tell the horror stories of what happened at their previous company when client projects were mishandled. He then personalized the negative impact of his previous company experience, explaining how the mismanagement had led to projects being shut down and client employees losing their jobs over the fiascos, and even computers being loaded into vans in the middle of the night. He told quite a story of wreckage and disaster, and after that experience, he and his co-founder vowed to never let that happen again. They turned this frustration into the one of the most powerful whys I've ever seen firsthand. The company's tagline was, delivery is the only thing, and this rallying cry was shared by every employee from top to bottom of the organization. This why was the reason they could hire some of the top minds out of my graduating class, even though they were competing against much more established companies with massive recruiting budgets. It's also what fueled their growth to become a large player in the market when the World Wide Web took off. In my own startups, I got to see firsthand how why can make a huge difference. And of course, the first time I learned about why, I did it the hard way. My partners and I were struggling to get my first startup OEC off the ground. We had started with a unique vision for a boutique consultancy to build out innovative ideas to the growing web industry. But at one point, we had lost touch with our why and we were stuck. Now, it started out slowly with a slight loss in momentum but it got to the point where none of us thought the company had any future, that we wouldn't admit it to each other. Then one day, one of my partners blurted out that he was working on his resume. I quickly admitted, me too. All three of us finally came clean that we had lost the spark, and then the real discussion began. At a long dinner at a local Bertucci's, we all accepted that we would likely lose the company. But then something strange happened. With the weight of losing the company lifted, since now we admitted it, we started asking some better what-if questions. What if we did keep going? What would it look like? What do we really want to do? Who do we really want to work with? That night, we went back to basics and rediscovered our why. We agreed that in the next 90 days, we would figure it all out and then go out to dinner regardless of the outcome. Burger King if we failed, or Morton's if we succeeded. All good either way. And then everything turned around, overnight. Over the next two weeks, with our newfound why, we landed State Street and Thompson Financial as clients and booked our dinner at Morton's. Within two years, we had sold millions in revenue and then sold the company for over $10 million. Without a good why, we had lost direction. But with a renewed why, everything was different. Why is the difference. I would later experience this power of why with the founding of DestinationWeddings.com. In 2004, the destination wedding market was already almost 20% of all weddings, and yet the landscape for providers was a complete mess. Most destination weddings were handled by travel agencies that also managed countless other business and leisure trips for their clients. Though a destination wedding was a big deal for the brides who chose this option, they were often treated as a small fish by these other providers. Our why became very simple. We would focus our business entirely on the segment of travel, and obsess over every detail of the experience. 
This led to a powerful why and ultimately the addition of the word stress-free into our marketing, two words that captured our why and catapulted us to number 149 in the Inc. 500 list. I would experience the power of why again and again, but never as powerfully as with the founding of Native Brain. When Dr. Michael Connell and I first met in 2011 to discuss the possibility of building an edtech startup, he shared some stories of how incredible research in the educational space failed time and time again to translate into the marketplace. A broken set of incentives and a marketplace that vastly rewarded sales over research had created a set of industry leaders that could translate life-changing research into curriculum that simply didn't work when it was scaled out to millions of kids. Our why became pretty simple. We would build our company to do this translation ourselves. We would start with research study that generated massive results and vow to finish with a product that would deliver the same results at scale. Our why was pretty simple, but delivering on it required us to follow some pretty unique rules for a startup. For instance, we would refuse to raise money. If our single goal was to create a product that worked, we couldn't put ourselves in the awkward position of having to choose between staying with our why or selling out to a larger company with a shallow vision and a deep bank account. The funny thing is, investors know that companies trying to raise money will often say they aren't raising money as a posturing move to make them seem more desirable. When we were at Mass Challenge Accelerator in Boston, we met with a number of investors who thought we were just playing this game until we told them no enough times that they realized we actually were not going to accept their outside money. They were pretty shocked, but that's the power of why and it affects everything. Over the next year, this why powered us to go inch wide, mile deep on our mission of building a world-class number sense app so little kids could get the benefit of a research project from the 1990s. We delivered the app in late 2012 and it rose to the number two ranking on the educational section of Apple's App Store in early 2013. 10 years later, and with zero dollars spent on marketing, the app has now helped over 700,000 children and counting learn math. A strong why can compel focused action and lead to a product that can spread far and wide and create wide impact. So to summarize, there are a lot of reasons given for why most startups fail, but if you look beneath the surface, more often than not, the real reason comes down to a lack of a strong why. Beyond my own examples, there are numerous companies that started out of a garage with a powerful why and quickly grew to change reality and become household names. On this show, and through my interviews with founders, we'll be exploring how strong whys are propelling other founders to go head-to-head -head with the inertia of reality and come out victorious. If you liked what you heard on this first episode, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star or higher rating so others can hear it also. And if you know of a founder that is a powerful why that I absolutely must interview, please let me know on LinkedIn and I'll set that up. Thanks for listening and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.